Sweet, we're set. Yay! Alright, go Paul. Yeah, welcome to the weekly inebriated scriptural exegesis and source study. Division of the Oklahoma Atheists where we like to read the Bible and drink things. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I'll start. Tonight I'm drinking a Stella Artois, which is uh, somewhat higher in alcohol and lesser on the wallet. And it's decent lager, I guess. It's not really one of my favorites, but... It's better than Budweiser, which is the alternative in this part of the country. So, <laughs> uh, Abby? Um, I'm just having some cranberry juice. And mm. it might make me mysteriously vanish when we get to chapter six. <laughs> it's, it's Magical. Cran- it's enchanted. The cranberry juice of, of disappearance. Mm-hmm. Sounds fun. Uh, Chaz? I am drinking a Shiner Light Blonde. I am slumming it this week and drinking a Miller Light. Well, at least it's not a Budweiser. Budweiser tastes like this. Sweet. Well, then, I guess we should move right into the Gospel of John. Book is ridiculous. <laughs> Which starts at the very beginning. <laughs> In the beginning, the word was God. Yeah, a little refresher course, a little crash course. Yeah. Yeah, we, we had to start... I noticed that this seemed to be much more of a theological than the mm. other Gospels. Like, the other Gospels seem to be, like, collections of stories, and this seemed to be much more, I don't know if layered's the word, or it seemed like there was a lot more explanation. Yeah, right it seems that like, theology's developed a lot. Right, Instead right. of parables, you get pronouncements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. This is, much, this is mm. much more, Jesus is God, by the way. Mm-hmm. Throughout, and they're not even. I'm not even sure that you would say that they're parables. They're like, yeah, like you said, ex- pronouncements. And like even the parables that are sort of parables are more like, explan- like explanations in story form or something like that. Like they're not even really. In in the first gospels, it seemed like it was much more. Here's this parable. What you don't get it? You're an idiot. Here's kind of what it is. And in this, it's like here's this long, elaborate story that explains why Jesus is the Son of God. And I am. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it just starts starts out hardcore. Like Mark at least had like, oh, John came and preached for us, and John's like, nope, Jesus is God. <laughs> Has been the whole time. <sighs> so, anyways, basically, is John. John's is that part of Q or is it I don't know anything about the textual like where it came from or No, it's not Q is the um parts of Matthew and Luke that are the same. Okay. I think John is later. Okay. Well and is there's some ridiculous like eighty percent or something like that of John is unique to the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. Right. It's I don't I don't remember what the percentage was, but it was it was definitely um, the majority of John. And reading it you can see. So basically, we don't get much of a uh, birth narrative. It kind of starts with John the Baptist and... Well, it starts with that. <clears throat> Sorry, it starts with Genesis 1-1 and... Well... It tells us about this word character. Right, at, at the very beginning. The word that became flesh. Is that Logos? I don't, I don't have blue letter, blue letter Bible up. I had it up, but it crashed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Logos. Word is Logos. That's where that... I've heard that. The, the uh, second story is, is familiar, though. It's the one where John is going to baptize... Oh, no, he, he denies being the Messiah. Right. It's vaguely familiar, really. It has to sort of set up that, you know, Jesus is the Messiah, so it can't be John. He's like, no, 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 not me. Quit saying that about me. Um, 
Yeah, he's that one. He's not. He's not able to uh, fasten the straps of his sandals. You know. Right. But anyways, so we skip over the whole birth stuff, and it starts basically out with Jesus and his ministry, and getting baptized, and calling the apostles, and and then straight into his miracles, pretty much. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. I do want to point out that that John calls um, Jesus in um, chapter 1, verse 29. It says, Look, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about it being much more theological, where you know we're actually starting to see, oh, okay, Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's the perfect sacrifice. Like, you know, all this stuff that you hear in church, like most of Christianity, I think, comes from Gospel of John. <laughs> yeah, okay. it all sounds a lot more familiar than the synoptic stuff. Right, right. Like when this was written, it was obvious that the oral tradition had become theology by then. Or the written, well. Well, if it had been written uh-huh. down by then. And then someone I assume to, John is working from um, the synoptics. Because, like, in oh, the so. broad strokes, it's the same. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we made it through John the Baptist and the Lamb of God and all of these things. Well, I like. um. I like how Jesus is actually introduced. He's just kind of like walking by, and John's like, hey, look at that guy over there. <laughs> Lamb of God. Being able to recognize the Lamb of God on sight, I think, would be a... Was he wearing a t-shirt? It was all just a big miscommunication. He was actually wearing like one of those Christian heavy metal band shirts, you know, that said like, the blood of the Lamb. Or something. It's like, oh, look, it's the Lamb of God. So after Jesus gets called the Lamb of God, <laughs> he goes through, gets his disciples, and then the water to wine, right? In chapter 2? Yeah. Okay. And which is reportedly his first miracle? Or that's what they tell you in the Christian tradition. I'm not really... Was right. this actually... Do I? That was the first miracle. Right. Was this? I don't remember this pericope. <laughs> it's, his, it's his first miracle yeah. in the Johannine chronology. I hear a baby. Yeah, that's why I'm staying on mute. I'm just saying that there's no way to match up that chronology against the synoptics. Okay. So, who knows? Well, because it's not in any of the synoptics. Right, exactly. Apparently, they all left off his most important first miracle. <laughs> right. When they merge them, do they put it first? Yep. Uh in the so-called harmonies of the Gospels, yes. <laughs> All right. Brief aside, the harmony of the Gospels, what is... Oh, is that just when they have to tell them all as one story, they have to figure out what order to... Okay, to like, when yeah, they Just Google what Gospel Jesus? harmonization okay. or Gospel harmony, and you'll find a whole bunch of them. Okay. Yeah. Like, what were Jesus' last words? We have two different... Like, which, which is the last one? Of the two that were given, or three. Right. Yeah. So, apologetics for the gospel. <laughs> uh, in any case, basically, this is in Cana, and Jesus was invited to a wedding, and they run out of wine, which was going to be this terrible, you know, atrocity. You can't be sober at a wedding. Right. <laughs> It's a big party, you know. I've I've heard these weddings take like three days, and everybody gets really trashed, and it's a lot of fun. Anyways, so they run out of wine, and they're freaking out. And Jesus puts some water in, 
or tells them to go and fill the pots with water, and miraculously, uh, they turn into wine. And it's not just any kind of wine, it's like the best wine in the universe, which is actually sort of another tragedy because they're not supposed to start with that wine. <laughs> but <laughs> I love that little detail that yeah. they serve them so. the shitty wine second so they don't taste it. But but if you're already wasted, you can't tell that good wine's good anyway. Exactly. That that actually that adds a certain amount of authenticity to the story, doesn't it? Like everyone always serves the good wine first, and then once people have lost their sense of palate and balance and everything, then you give them the shitty wine. I mean, I know that's how I do it. <laughs> so you start with the with the Sam Adams, and then you kind of move on to the Coors Light, and then eventually you're down to game day. <laughs> Game day light. <laughs> Never heard of that. It's pretty pretty sweet. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> sorry, that's what I'm drinking, by the way. Oh, good. For those coming in late. Wait, Game right. Game Day is an actual beer. It is Game Day Brewing Company, and we drink it on Saturday. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds terrible. <laughs> it was five dollars for a twelve pack. It's how it's five dollars. Yeah. Wow. That's so, a liquor store twelve pack too. Not a crappy. Is that cheaper than Lost Lake. Oh say, that's, that's uh. Oh, what's the other one? There's Lost Lake and there's uh. Lost Strohs. Oh. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to the Bible. Do you guys think Jesus made a red or a white wine? I think it's always pictured blood. as red. Is that because of the whole communion thing? Yeah. I just he likes giving away his blood. <laughs> He was like, haha, it's consecrated. <laughs> Did they do so, the explicit, my blood is wine stuff in John? Yeah, in yes. chapter 6, I think. Okay. Yes. Oh, say, yeah, okay, so, so after the, um, after he turns water into wine, I'm not sure you guys want to leave yet, but it's just so shocking how we quickly move on to, from the beginning to just God's a, a badass, and, and we, it keeps going, and now he's already... In this same chapter, he's going to clear out the temple courts. He's going to do what he did and overturn the the money changing tables, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So does he do this twice, or does he? Is there a time jump? I think there's a time jump. Yes, I think that's right. I think that that it was moved around. I read that somewhere, but I don't remember where. For a now. specific reason. Hmm. What reason? Uh, I'll get back to you guys on that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I think it's just to establish that he's a badass. Just get this out of the way. Oh, yeah. By the way, money in the temples, not down. Saving weddings and smashing temples since... The money changed in the temple we did cover on the Snoptoberfest, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But doesn't it, doesn't it occur much later in all the other books? Yeah. Much later. It's much, yeah, it's after he's done all his yeah. work and he goes to Jerusalem at the very end. Yeah, it's after the triumphal entry, isn't it? It probably depends, though. I don't, I don't even know the timelines of Mark, honestly. Uh, oh, it's it's at the front of Passion Week and all the three synoptics. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So there's going to be a big problem here when they try to harmonize them, right? You would think. You would. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what's what's I don't know what what I would say is just that he put them in a different order for some literary well, yeah. reason. Like it's not actually an order; they just kind of put it this way because he's trying to tell a specific story. Oh yeah, yeah. This one's much longer in John than it is in the other books. Many things are much longer in John than they are in the other books. Especially 
the actual reasoning behind why Jesus needs to come in the first place, which brings us to Nicodemus, right? In chapter 3. Indeed. Where we actually find out, like, why you need to be saved or whatever. Isn't that kind of the point of the the whole, that whole bit in the first part of chapter 3? Yeah, we have the born again. Right. By baptism. Which I could be wrong, but I don't I don't particularly recall too much. I mean, there was some emphasis on baptism, but not this whole born again rhetoric that we're getting from uh, the beginning of chapter three. Yeah, because John was about whole, good. Okay, I was just gonna say the whole thing about uh, being you know born of the flesh and versus born of the spirit, and then you get the I regular or the iconic verse. Uh, about God so loving the world and, you know, sending his son to save us and everything. Like, this all sounds very, very Christian to me versus yeah. the the previous, the synoptics or whatever that didn't really have that undertone. They just seem more like a collection of tales. But this mm-hmm. definitely seems overlaid with, with pretty heavy theology. It's very preachy. Yeah. yeah. John 3.16... Everybody knows that verse. Austin three sixteen. <laughs> yeah, because there's um, John the Baptist baptized people because he was a Baptist. Um, but after that, there wasn't much in the synoptics. Right. It seemed like in the synoptics that it was like, okay, I'm gonna go get baptized by John the Baptist because that's what you know. Because it's cultural. That's that's what needs to be done and in the narrative I can see how it kind of fits like you know having this connection between them I don't know and in this it has a very different tone to it I think mm. yeah because in the first one it was more like a ceremonial washing right and here it's like it's all of a sudden necessary yeah. or part of the new I guess religion Damien has returned. I just got shouted down. I know, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> and then Skype notified me that the microphone is picking up speaker sound. <laughs> it's a very loud child. So anyways, Nicodemus. What of Nicodemus? Who's a Pharisee, right? Indeed. Uh, and basically this story... Should we go over the story? Or basically... Well, you just <laughs> asked how to... Um... <laughs> no... Nicodemus asks, uh, is he the one who asks about... Okay, this is what he asks. He says, Rabbi. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesus answered him, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And, okay, so... I don't see the bit about being saved, though. Because I thought that, too, that it was he was the one who asked about being saved. But they yeah, were just not saying it. Well, it says uh, in, in three four. It says, "How can someone be born when they are old?" Right. Yeah, he's taking well, it literally. Right. That's fleshing out the whole idea of being born again. Like, and I think that's mainly the point of this of this story is that Nicodemus the Pharisee is asking of Jesus, like, "How do we know that you're God or whatever?" And he's like, "Well, you're never going to see these things unless you're born again." And he's like, "Born again." That doesn't even make any sense, Jesus. 
And so he basically fleshes out the whole idea of that the difference between being born again spiritually versus physically. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would assume this is probably mostly an apocryphal story just used to explain more of Jesus' teaching about being born again. Explaining That's his language. Apocryphal. Oh, that's true. <laughs> if <laughs> if Jesus was real, this is probably apocryphal. <laughs> if then. Is, is being saved the same thing as um, being able to enter the kingdom of God? Ooh, that's a really good question. In in Christianity, they would say yes. Yeah, um, pretty but much. I'm, but I see where you're coming from. Like, there seems to be a different from the synoptics, like, you know, how do I get into the kingdom of God? And they kind of, I don't know. But in, in this verse, though, in doesn't it actually say about yeah, verse that's five. the spirit or whatever cannot enter into the kingdom of God, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And he talks about eternal life because isn't that because his eternal life is entering into the kingdom of God. It's not fleshly eternal life. Mm-hmm. It's spiritual, flesh, uh, spiritual eternal life. So nowadays, that's interpreted as just being like heaven. You die and you go up to heaven. But right. I mean, because... have we moved? Sorry. Have we? Sorry. Have we, have we moved on from like in Mark? It seemed that the kingdom of heaven was like on earth. Like Jesus would return as a, the Son of Man would return as like a ruler. Well, that's what the Jews expected. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in some Christian t- traditions, you actually get both. Like, in the church that I was raised in, they said that Jesus would come back and make a kingdom on earth for a little while, and then destroy the earth, and we'd all go to heaven. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the so, whole thousand-year reign after right. judgment. Pre-dis, pre-dis, pre-millennialism, is that what it's called? Yes. Hey, Paul. Sir. Did your did your church people did they say um and you will reach that kingdom of heaven before you before people in this audience have breathed your last breath? Um, no, they didn't say that. They said no, that nobody knows. Carried on that tradition. <laughs> the Bible says that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we we didn't have a lot of end times preaching in in ours. I, I think they were from the school that said, yeah, the end that they think was probably when the temple was destroyed. Huh. So we're in the end times? Have been for 2,000 years. That's cool. <laughs> well, it's only been two days for God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so following Nicodemus, we get to... Is the woman at the well next? Yes, the Samaritan woman. Right. That was in the first part, actually, yeah, the first part of chapter four, um, yeah, where, four. do it? Four, four. Right, where Jesus comes to a well, and there's a woman there, and... He just kicks up his feet, and he's like, serve me. Right. Give me my water. I need water. Give me that water. <laughs> and she says something about, uh, what does she say? Something about her husband or something. And he's like, you know what? That's not even true. You've had like five husbands. Four. No, she <laughs> says, um, she says, what? You a Jew ask a drink of me, a Samaritan? That's what it is. Right. Because apparently they're not on good terms. They're not yeah. supposed to share vessels. I guess. 
Well, the Samaritans were the ones that stayed behind during the exile, weren't they, that intermarried? Yeah, the when the Assyrians took over Israel. Um, yeah. So it's only been like 300 years. I thought it was interesting. There are, well, 400 maybe by the time this is written. Um, they're already like the distinct group. Yeah, they kind of treat off. Speciated. <laughs> and now they can't interbreed. Or drink from the same cup, apparently. <laughs> Actually, there's there's only like 700 Samaritans left. What? Huh. Were the Samaritans considered unclean or something like that? I'm guessing or so. They, they, were, they were strange women. <laughs> right. Well, they intermarried with strange women, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the Assyrian imports are impure. So Jesus is like, you know what? If you'd asked, uh, what does he ask? If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. That doesn't make any sense. Neither is being born again. No. You're just saying a bunch of bullshit. Right. That was going to be my question. Was what? What is the water of life exactly? <laughs> like, it's like a dysentery. I don't get it. It's the um, eternal life, right? Instead so of giving you water. What's funny is after he tells her, oh, you had five husbands, he says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> Not, how did you know that? Well, obviously, in this time, there are prophets all over the place, always telling people about their business. Yeah, if someone was trying to guess things in my life, like, you're probably some prophet, get out of here. Shoot. <laughs> it's also where he does say that you don't have to worship in Jerusalem anymore, soon. Mm-hmm. Somewhat saying that Christianity will be global. Yeah. Or where they won't have, like, a specific holy place. It's interesting. This sort of goes against the the secret, right? The what? She, the messianic secret. Because she kind of runs off and goes back, right? And is like, oh, yeah, this guy who's the Messiah told me all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Wasn't the messianic secret just in Mark? Was it? Or I thought it was emphasized in Mark, but I thought that there was... Other, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Oh, it might. I know there's. Oh, there's some added verses. Um, I know there is a. I wanted. To, it was something I wanted to mention when we got to the end of the synoptics, but I missed it. Um, there was a verse added to one of the um, gospels, specifically to have um, one of the apostles go and tell people, because it wasn't. Um, clear otherwise how anyone knew what happened at the end if no one had said anything. So he added a verse about um, like Samuel ran home and waved his arms and said wow, what happened? But I don't remember wh- if it was Matthew or Luke or Mark. So <laughs> doesn't do much good. Yeah. Well, did, Mar- did Mark have the woman running back from the empty tomb before the cutoff? <clears throat> I right, check real quick. I got it opened up. Um. Yeah, they ran away and were afraid, and that's when it cuts off. Oh, the. Oh, oh, here it is. It has, it's in. It has Luke. the angels telling them. Yeah, the one I was thinking of. Um, it's in Luke. Luke twenty four twelve. Um. Some of the manuscripts have a verse about Peter looking into the tomb and then running off amazed. 
He saw the wrappings and nothing more, and went home amazed at what had happened. So I guess it was added. Um, oh yeah, the because the the parallel version we have doesn't have twenty four twelve. Yeah, that's why it was a late edition. Yeah. Because it says, but the story appeared. Yeah, it says that no one believed the story because it was nonsense. <laughs> Which it was. <laughs> So they're like, wait, if no one believed it, why are we here? All right, so are we done with the Samaritan woman? Going yeah. once. Anybody else? She's not the good Samaritan, is she? <laughs> I don't know. Did she give him a drink? I thought the good Samaritan would probably give him a drink. Uh, so in the second part of Chapter 4, we get about the... Uh, oh, what's that? Is it Capernaum? The somebody or the somebody on the city council of Capernaum or something, or the, <laughs> a, a royal official uh, is has a, a son who is ill uh, that and he comes comes running to Jesus and says, "Quick, you got to come see my son before he dies." And Jesus is like, "Oh, go on your merry way. He's fine." It'll be okay. And the royal official decides that he has faith and walks off. And sure enough, when he gets home, he finds out that his son actually did end up living. Uh, and I guess at the same time <laughs> that Jesus was saying all that, he started feeling better or something. I don't know. Apparently, they they were pretty good at synchronizing clocks back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He says, well, none of you ever believe without signs and portents. Right. Do I have to save everyone? Apparently. But you notice he still does the sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, signs, I throw them in your face all the time. Right. <laughs> He's like, you guys should really believe without me doing all this magic crap, but here's some more magic crap. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically like a civil servant. Like, what? You want me to do my job? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at least in the other books, he told people not to go tell everyone. <laughs> Have you noticed how they've just completely done away with that? Have you guys talked about that already? Yeah. The messianic secret theme is completely gone in John. It's just he's out and out. I am God, son of God, the man, Messiah, and all be all. He's proclaiming it himself instead of being all like euphemistic about it and talking about this mysterious son of man figure. He's just straight up, like, I'm the guy. Uh, and look what I did. Look at all these miracles I did. You see those miracles? You see those? How many times in this, like, first few chapters does he talk about, like, look at all my signs. Aren't they great? Very unsecretive of him. It's like Ma- Matthew and Luke kind of preserved the messianic theme, and John's like, whatever. Okay, I was wondering about that. I couldn't remember if they did. Yep, he even numbers those signs. Or we number them. Oh, that was the second one. Right. Uh, it wasn't much of one. He just made the boy get better by the time he got home. Yay. Well, before modern medicine, that was pretty... Yeah, but no, like... Spontaneous Flashes or thunder and lightning or something. <laughs> if there's no zombie apocalypse, I'm not interested. Right. I want my zombie apocalypse. And those zombies better tear the temple curtain in, too. 
I think the impressive thing about the temple curtain tearing into is that it happened from top to bottom without human hands or zombie hands. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's what, what makes it miraculous. That it just us. kind of happens on its own. Like, oh, that was the amazing thing. It's top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's just God's way of saying I'm the one that did it. So I have a question. Once the curtain's torn and either still hanging or on the floor, how do you tell which way it was torn? Um, <laughs> someone, someone saw it. God's oh. the omnipotent narrator. Yeah, exactly. It's, oh. just like, it's just like how you could tell what uh, was said and done in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was alone. It's, it's God is an omnipotent narrator. That's like the only explanation. <laughs> okay. It's like Moses writing about his own death. Exactly. It's exactly like that. <laughs> it's like either these were inspired or they were made up, but there's no real middle ground for these just being reportage. I think reportage is the snooty word for reporting. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, I'm... Okay, so you're saying either they're made up or they're actually what they claim to be? Like there's no middle yeah. ground? That's That's your... When, when we're talking about events like the temple curtain tearing in two at the exact same time as something happening miles away, or events like what Jesus said when he was alone in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, yeah, I mean, either that's a third person, either that's an author writing a story in the third person omniscient, or it's God writing a story in the third person omniscient, which is, <laughs> in his case, not ironic, because right, he's had, God. They had an embedded reporter in there hiding behind a rock. Yeah, it's a... Uh, that Peter was hiding in the garden and not asleep, as reported. Right. Sorry, I was taking that. I I didn't take it as just those particular stories. I thought you were saying that, like the Gospels are either no, no. or. No, I was saying like, there's several scenes big... in there's several scenes okay. in the Gospels that, like, there's no one around. No, right. Like, even if you assume yeah. that Mark was really, like, just writing down Peter's eyewitness accounts, even then. There's no one around to have seen like what Jesus said in Gethsemane, and the, and the, the whole line about like the disciples scattered like for they were afraid. Well, who's around to see that if they all scattered? <laughs> yeah, I agree. So, there's a few things like that where it's like okay, uh, you can make the argument that God inspired these books, but you cannot make the argument that this is just straightforward history being written down by people who were there. Welcome to religion. (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, where are we? I'm back now, by the way. Chaz, your mom has the baby. (laughs) Yay, mom! Go, mom. She has no idea what she's helping right now. Chapter (laughs) 5? Did we just start chapter 5? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, the paralytic. The feast of the Jews, that sounds (laughs) anti-Semitic. There is a lot what? of anti-Semitism in these books. Yeah, verse 16 yeah. gets kind of sticky. Okay, what what is with this pool, I want to know? The one that the angel stirred up? Yeah. Didn't this happen before? What? No, didn't The water being mysteriously disturbed? Oh, was there? I that was only in John. It's only in John, isn't it? I didn't think there was a synoptic for that. Oh, huh. I didn't think there was either. It's not, I just said, it just seemed familiar. Maybe I had deja vu. You sure you didn't just grow up Christian and forget about it until now? <laughs> there's also, there's a lot more non-Jesus mysticism in John. Could you expand on that? As in, this actually exists. They don't talk about, the only other um, 
really like people doing miracles in the synoptic system, people casting out demons. There's not like an angel touches the water and heals people. Right. It's it's very Catholic, isn't it? Having because it doesn't it doesn't magical pool like, of healing. Protestants would not truck with that. Because it doesn't even talk about like oh it didn't they didn't actually get healed. It's like no, they actually got healed because an angel stirred the water. Right. Right. It's good to know that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that says. It, it says that the gospel writers are very s- s- superstitious people. Does that come as a surprise to anyone? <laughs> Does it say it was an angel? Yeah, it says that uh, in, in the gospel yeah, of John, an angel stirs the oh, water. That's a late edition. Oh, really? Some some witnesses add, waiting for the disturbance of the water, some further insert... <laughs> For from time to time, an angel came down into the pool and stirred oh. up water. Was that five four? Yeah, five four. So yep. five four is an addition so. to an addition. So it'll that be, could have been a Catholic edition. Yeah, it'll be fun to look up which um, which manuscripts have that. Can I just say about John five that it's also the stage name of John William Lowry, guitarist for Rob Zombie. <laughs> and that's kind of badass. <laughs> Uh, okay, John 5, right? Uh, yeah, like um, 5.16, we get into the the anti-Semitic stuff. It's Mel Gibson's favorite part. Yeah. Oh, I borrowed Passion of the Christ, and I'm very excited to watch it. You've never seen it? No. Oh, it's Brush up on your Aramaic. Oh, yeah. God, it's so depressing and awful. The Kumi? That's all I know. Uh, so what what did you find particularly anti-Semitic about this part of the Gospel of John? Um, it's saying that this is the kind of stuff that Jesus did to um, make the Jews want to kill him. I don't know, it's it's the whole the Jews killed Jesus line, I guess. Well, at least at least the whole like why they killed him makes a bit more sense here uh, because the blasphemy is more explicit. He was working <laughs> on the Sunday. Like, we don't like him. Kill him. No, no, because he he makes claims like the the Father and I are one. Oh, okay. So he's he's not just saying I'm the Son of God and the Christ, which would be like kind of blasphemous. He seems to be like claiming that he is also God in some sense. A later Christian theological de- embellishment and more obviously blasphemous than saying you're the King of the Jews or the or the Anointed One. Yeah, I also told uh, him to carry his pallet on the Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. well that's, that's what got him in trouble, wasn't it? Was the whole that was the first straw? Yeah, that's that's right. why the he healed Pharisees him. And, right, he healed the 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 paralyzed gentleman, and he hopped up and he told him to grab his pallet, and go home, and then they got all upset because not only did he heal somebody, but he also told somebody else to break the Sabbath. Well, if the guy had just walked, it would have been fine, but he was carrying stuff. Yeah, right. You're not allowed to carry stuff. I I kind of liked his explanation though, because this is where he says that. Uh, yeah, it's in verse 17 about my father is working until now and I am working. Mm-hmm. And this is why the Jews sought to kill him. <laughs> Wait, sought more to kill him. Yeah, that's the second straw was saying that um, that God is his father. By calling God his own father, he claimed equality with God. Right, and he does more of that later. That's bad news. Uh, he blasphemes like crazy in this book. <laughs> do you guys remember? Do you remember where he says before Abraham was, "I am"? That was in the, somewhere in today's reading. I just don't remember where. Do you remember that when he, he was talking about Abraham and like 
you're only they're like you're only 30 years old or something how do you say that blah 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 abraham it sounds it sounds familiar but i don't remember i i can't place if it sounds familiar because of my cushion background or because i read it this week <laughs> abby i'm gonna have to go you on this it doesn't sound familiar to me but i only made it to six remember it's john 858 we'll get there oh, okay the bible gateway eventually came through for me on this it's here in the wiki too wow i'm just blind right. <laughs> that's when he really goes over the top with this blasphemy because he's claiming basically to be one like totally like god because he's you know he's saying I am, as in, you know, Yahweh. Wow. Man, what a dick. Although, presumably, he's saying it in Aramaic, which makes it slightly less blasphemous. <laughs> than if he just said it in Hebrew. It just sounds cooler. Alright, so after this, do we come to Lazarus? That we're on the feeding of the... Well, we can skip over the feeding of the 5,000, because we covered oh, yeah, that we for covered that. detail. Oh, when walking on water... We can talk about, about it. Yeah, we can do walking on water, because this one... It was a little bit different, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It didn't have Peter. It's a lot shorter, really. More right. like more like the Mark and original, I think. Right. Than the Matthew Luke expansion. Yeah, it, it's a little abbreviated. It's a long I, walk on water, four miles. <laughs> <laughs> what I found strange on it was that, okay, so Jesus goes off to pray, right? And what do his disciples do? They get in the boat and go to Capernaum. Yeah, just peace out. <laughs> I, I wasn't quite sure w- why, narratively, that was... Well, narratively, it makes sense. You've got to have him well, have some distance between the them and the boat, because otherwise he can't walk out to them. There, there's no reason given for why they would... I don't know. Maybe there's they, a Taco Bell in the front or something. Yeah. 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 We're on the same page there. I mean, I mean none of them <laughs> say why he just let them just, just leave... Well, he was off praying. He, he wasn't even... I, I, I didn't get the impression that he was even aware that they left. <laughs> I figure that if you're running around with a bunch of fishermen, they're going to go down to the sea every now and then just to grab some fish. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, well, Jesus is off again. Eh, let's go fish them. Yeah, that's... Like, you know, he's off doing his, his uh, prayer alone thing. He's withdrawn to the mountain by himself in his lonely place again. Let's go fish. Lonely place. Yeah, that's just it makes sense. Jesus. What do you do when your brooding Messiah has gone off to pray? You go fishing. <laughs> Get something done. Uh, this is the bread of life stuff. Where's that? Bread six twenty. The next chapter, oh. or no, same chapter. Six right. twenty-six. Oh yeah, they talk about the manna in the in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. So then they had bread for heaven, but now they have real bread from heaven. Which is eternal life or something. It's another one of those weird metaphors. <laughs> you know, the body and blood thing, It's um, I guess it's important to note that the idea of a body and blood communion predates Christianity by a bit. So. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Was it part of like, the Jewish like religious milieu or something? Ah, more Hellenistic than Jewish. Ah. So the idea of a communion with body and blood represented is um, it's in the general... Hellenistic air. Ah. So. Was it part of the cult of Mithras? Not just Mithras, but yeah. Okay, I remember hearing stuff about that. I never, I, I, I don't really know much about it, but I heard about it. I think I heard Robert Price talk about that once. I didn't really know what cult meant in that context. I thought it meant like a cult, but it just means like the set of worshipping behaviors or something. Yeah, 
It's more like small, like a small sect more than anything. Yeah, cultic practice is really it's like liturgy is what really matters with cultic practice. It's, it's less about doctrine and more about ritual. Yeah. And the key ritual for is for some of these groups is the whole bread and wine, body and blood. Uh, so he's kind of he's syncretizing really to to put not too fine a point on it. He's syncretizing. Mm-hmm. He's taking like Greek ideas and and mixing them into this this Jewish subtext like the manna. He's taking you know Jewish holy scripture and he's mixing it with these Greek ideas and saying I'm the bread of life. So that you know yet another reason for the Jews to want to kill him mm. really. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that that really frustrates the Jews. In verse forty-one, they grumble about him. There you go. They're grumbling, uh, just like I'd expect them to when he's syncretizing with Greek stuff. <laughs> and there's the whole like, I don't know, father-son thing, like heavenly father, like God having an earthly son is really Greek. If you think about it; it's quintessentially Greek. The gods are always like making earthly children in weird ways. Oh yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't think I'd ever heard it framed quite that way before. I kind of now want to go do some reading about like the Greeks and the significance of wine and bread and blood and flesh. Like that's kind of definitely worth reading more. All right. So after the bread of life, that's chapter six. Yeah, six. I think six fifty nine begins a new. That's as far as I've written, so I'm going to be useless from here on out. <laughs> Not useless. Well, I was useless for I'll the first like, half, so we could take turns. Just, just, just scan <laughs> the uh, scan the sections real quick and talk about. Them. <laughs> just scan the sections real quick. It's a piece of cake. So Jesus, Jesus shocks the disciples. Yeah, we saw always before. So, yeah, uh, Jesus. Did disciples leave, or was it... This part was kind of unclear in 660-ish through... After Jesus says this bit about eating of the flesh and drinking of the blood. Let me pull it up here. I thought some of them actually... Yeah, it says in 66 that after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. What's this? <laughs> So I guess I guess the twelve were the ones that stuck with. Yeah. So I guess so, there's so originally more. The miracles weren't enough. <laughs> well, the the blood and the the flesh. They're just grossed out. Are they vegan? They were literalists. <laughs> the so they were like, oh shit. <laughs> no, it. <laughs> no, I guess the Jews could eat lots. They're of not meat. cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anything in Jewish law about cannibalism. Oh wow! Yeah. Loophole. And, and <laughs> in any case, in the latter part of this story and also of John 6, uh, we get a foretelling of Judas. Or, yes, so. Because that's a bit where Jesus asks the 12 if they want to go away. And they're like, no, we're cool. And then the last verse is. Except for Judas, because he was a dick. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Yeah, why does the Bible have spoilers all the way up here? At this point, you've already read the synoptics, so you kind of know how it's going to end. No, that's right. true. <laughs> We've been through it. But for um, the initial readers of John, I mean, when, yeah, maybe they didn't want to know Judas was the betrayer. Right. They didn't want to know... Hey, now. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> We're going to have to censor that. I Isn't everyone know that? Really weird look. <laughs> Speaking of 
killing people and being pissed off. How about the woman that they want to kill for adultery? Yeah, what's with that? And where's the guy? Yeah, I wondered that too. So basically, the oh, story. Wait. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um. Basically, wait, just... this story is a woman who apparently had been caught in the act of adultery. Uh, the man is, I guess, I don't know what happened to the man. But they, the Pharisees all bring her to Jesus and hoping to catch him in a trap, as Pharisees apparently like to do, um, decide, like, they're going to stone her and keep... And he seems kind of, like, nonplussed about the whole situation and is writing in the sand, and they finally get his attention. And Jesus tells them that he who is without sin, can cast the first stone and goes back to what he's drawing in the sand. And after that, after a little while, then nobody's left. And it's just her. And he's like, well, I'm not going to contain you. Go on your way. I'm just going just gonna to draw shit in the ground. Right. And that, that's pretty much the story. Um, as far as significance, uh, God stands up for prostitute, for adultery. I, I don't know. Jesus loves adulterous women. Yes. Women with five wives that bring him drink, or five husbands that bring him drink. Five wives, wow. It's like, it's lesbian <laughs> and it's, it's polygynous. It's super po- polygynous, polyamorous, lesbian, super marriage. That would rule. I want to see a reality show about that. It's not like a super Sister majority. wives with nothing but sisters. <laughs> Well, all I remember back in back in the church days was this is this was always used as an example that God would accept anyone no matter what you had done. There were a lot of promiscuous women in your church, I assume. Probably. Like Wait, do you have to stop being for banging members? Yes, you do have to stop being promiscuous, Abby. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, this was the it's not it's never too late. Uh, it's never too late to feel guilty about your sexuality. We can offer you that right now. And your recycled virginity. Recycled virginity. What? She <laughs> said how much more That's convincing for hole. men. <laughs> recycled virginity is like paper. It's not like aluminum. It wears out over time. <laughs> I can't can I ask. Uh, what? I'm so confused. A surgeon can give you back your hymen, but only God can give you back your sense of virginity. <laughs> that should be an advert. Wow. That should be a t-shirt. <laughs> that should be at Martell's. <laughs> uh, anyways. So, anything else about the adulterous woman and the stones and the the nice Jesus who spares her? I just think it's weird that she says, like, and he told me everything that I've ever done. It's like, no, he told you, like, one thing. <laughs> he told you, like, one little detail about your life. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy is miraculous. Like, seriously, he could have just done his homework. Like a cold reader. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he's, she, she, she's jumping uh, the gun to, like, this guy is a miraculous, amazing uh, guy pretty quickly. Yeah. A lot of people seem to do that. In real life, yes, they do. No, no, like in in John. Oh, I thought you just meant people are generally credulous. But well, yeah, but... it's also true. They were talking to your church about what Jesus was writing in the ground. Yes, 
No. Okay. Really? But apparently they did at Damien's. Well, I mean, the legend has it. The um, I say legend. The I'm going to call this oral tradition, Protestant oral tradition, even though they deny having it. Protestants claim that they just do the Bible and that's it. But they have their own oral traditions. And one of them is that Jesus is writing in the sand basically a list of all the sexual sins that the men waiting around with stones had committed. Uh, I was always just told the sins of the Pharisees is what he was writing. Well, no, it has to be the sins of the guys who are standing around, because that's where they're like, oh, never mind, I'm out of here. Well, I thought it was I thought it was the Pharisees that brought the woman. Yeah, but then they weren't, like, the crowd. The crowd of people... Oh, uh, okay. You remember in Monty Python, like, all that crowd of people standing around with fake beards saying, Stone him! Stone him! <laughs> I, was, I was always told the sins of the Pharisees that were there was what he was writing down. Or the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the what Pharisees. verse is this, by the way? I have not ever heard that. That's bizarre. Oh, um, no. It's, 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 seven, it's completely made up. Seven fifths. Oh, unlike the rest of the three. gospel, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> Seven fifty-three. It's, compl- it's, it's a complete oral tradition. Wait. It was all completely oral tradition at one point. That's, that's oh. kind of what I'm getting at. It was all oral tradition eight. to begin with. John eight. Wait, wait, you guys. Sorry. <laughs> that's, this is another late edition. See? This only proves my point that it was all oral tradition. But it was written down But the fact that it was written down at a certain point doesn't make it more credible. It just means that some goofball wrote it down. Well, well Exactly. But I'm just saying that the the whole Protestant tradition of what he writ is completely oral. The whole thing is is oral as. This whole um this whole passage you're talking about has no set place in any of the manuscripts. People yeah. just kind of inserted it at different places. Which makes it more oral than. <laughs> oral insertion. But of course, it fit the best. It's more in oral than moral. Moral oral. <laughs> uh, whatever and happened to that show? At the end. Wait, it's interesting. You guys both talk. What was it? My Bible I'm... sticks it at the end, which is weird. At the end of John? Yeah. Kind of arbitrary. Because they're like, yeah. they're like, we don't know where this goes. So, <laughs> pretty sure the NIV has it in the middle, around chapter <laughs> or in chapter. Eight. All that matters is where the King James has it. Have you forgotten? Oh, yeah. well, I'm not the hashtag is KJV2011. Hooray! And the truth will make you free. Again, Jesus has no messianic secret in this book. He's like, I'll tell you just how messianic I am. <laughs> I'm so f***ing messianic, let me tell you about it. I'm pretty sure that John and Mark would not get along if they were in the same room. Probably not. Well, they were. They were both apostles. Oh, uh, no. What? No? <laughs> <laughs> So Jesus is the light of the world, and the truth will set you free. What else happens in chapter 8? This is the bit where we get about being the son of Abraham or something, isn't it? Yes, yes. I, w- I want to point out that the Christology is like through the roof now. He's talking about how great he is and how he's... Oh, yes. So, so the messianic secret is completely out the window at this point. But if that wasn't enough, in John 8, the it really hits the fan. Because not only is he the light of the world and the light of life and all that, but also he is the I am. Like, as in, I am that I am. Like the name of God. Oh, what verse is that? That is at the very end of the chapter. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
Before Abraham was born, I am. Uh, just like and immediately they pick up stones to throw at him. <laughs> it doesn't tell you why, but I mean, if you know the history of the Jews and like what, like how how much divine punch he's packing into that sentence, it's clear why they picked up the stones right then. Yeah, because they believe the Lord, that God, the Lord is one, just one, not like has a son walking the earth who's him at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's borderline Trinitarian here, yeah. except for you know the Holy Spirit. And God called himself I Am when he was in the bush. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like Yahweh. Like the word Yahweh is very similar to the word I Am in Hebrew. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm getting at. So he's saying that he predates Abraham, and he's saying it in a way that alludes to the name of God. Hence, they immediately <laughs> pick up stones to throw at him. Yeah. Otherwise, verse, 20, verse 59 doesn't make sense. Why are they picking up stones? Because if he's just if he's just making some weird claim that he's the Highlander and has been alive for thousands of years, that's not a stonable offense. But if he's claiming to be God, well, that's blasphemy. There can be only one, which is exactly what they were thinking, but theologically. I just want to say that the um, the truth will make you free. It will, for real, <laughs> set you free. Whatever. My point is that. Truthiness. Yes. <laughs> yes, you should. You should actually seek truth, not mere truthiness, not just verisimilitude, but actual truth. That's good advice. Okay, where are we? The Good Shepherd, Chapter Ten. I like that story. I think that any any group of people who willingly identifies himself as sheep—that's just. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where he. It, I like this because he actually like tells a parable of like the thief and the robber. And then the good shepherd who takes care of his sheep, and that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And then immediately after that, he goes into an explanation. There's no, what? You didn't understand that? You're stupid. <laughs> like He's like, okay, so here's this story, and you all understand that and can relate to it. And here's why that's significant. And so there's like a, a progression in the teaching style of Jesus. Which, which is a pretty good analogy because sheep are stupid. <laughs> so you should expect to have to explain things to them if you're talking in obscure parables. Sheep are some of the least intelligent livestock. But cows at least like charge you if they get pissed off. Sheep just kind of walk around and fall into stuff. What have you been doing to piss off cows, Jason? <laughs> How do you know this? Sheep are stupid. Truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I'm like what? You're the what? I am the door of the sheep. <laughs> And then, and then he's like, two verses later, I'm the shepherd. Like, no, you're the door. You can't be the shepherd and the door. Sheep can't use doors. The fact is, the shepherd has to open and close the door, but if he's the door, then he's opening and closing himself. Is this like some weird Trinitarian thing where he, like, does stuff to himself? This is Jesus having a Rick Perry moment. He's just drunk. <laughs> he turned way too much water into wine. And he's like, I'm the, sh- I'm like the sheep door. I'm like the sheep, <laughs> I'm like the shepherd. The shepherd, okay? Yeah. Not apropos of the sheep, tags on that thing about I and the Father are one. John chapter 10, verse 30, which doesn't really, like, fit on the whole sheep thing. Yeah, then the Jews want to stone him again. So he throws out that line, I and the Father are one, and, you know, immediately, just like when he said, I am, immediately the Jews pick up the stones and try to stone him. Which which says to me that it was the Romans who crucified Jesus. He's clearly, if the Jews wanted to kill him, they'd have used stones. The Jews were way more pro- proactive back then. I was making the point about mode of execution. Yeah. (laughs) The Romans have two things the Jews don't have. 
Due process and wood crosses. Biatch. <laughs> you throw in a biatch and the approximate rhyme works. It's, it's like hip-hop. So Lazarus. Yeah. Fine. John 10, go to the next chapter. What else do you have in John 10? He does some wacky shit to like... to. They're picking up stones to stone him and he has this weird defense where he's like, well... He, he like quotes Psalm 82. 82 verse 6. And like, never mind. It's just a really <laughs> weird defense. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but I I think I processed that as, okay, I don't really have any idea what he's trying to say here. <laughs> and so I just skimmed over it. He's busy like, men are compared to gods in the Old Testament, so put down your stones. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then they tried to grab him instead, and he's like, ha-ha, and he slips away like a ninja. <laughs> if, if I had to enumerate Jesus' superpowers, like, in a list... Which, you know, I have never tried to do, but I think South Park tried to one time. Uh, I would put, like, being able to sneak away from crowds who are trying to kill him. <laughs> he throws a Batman smoke bomb down. Disappear. Something like that. It doesn't actually say Batman smoke bomb, but I think it's implied. <laughs> well, in the Dark Knight, Batman did just disappear all of a sudden. Okay, chapter 11. I guess all I had to throw out in 10 was, I don't get this, which wasn't very helpful. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it either. But I'm going to go with the Batman smoke bomb theory until I hear a good, like, preacher come up with his own homily on the subject. And upon another reading, I still don't get it. It is a very strange defense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but gods are compared to men in Psalms? Like, it's it's, it's like if, you know, somebody accuses you of something and you whip out, like, a book of Walt Whitman poetry and says, but but in this poem... It's like this. It's like, what? It's Chewbacca defense. It's weirder than that. There's other nine chapters, eight or nine. Yeah. Alright. We'll get there when we get there. Alright. On behalf of the Oklahoma Atheist Godcast, this is Damien. And this is Paul. <laughs> this is Ashby. And this is Jason. We're so f- professional here. Next time we should read off other people's names. 